It's good. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about persecution, the, the coming persecution. And I say it that way, I, I purposely did that, that uh, persecution is coming, is coming. We should uh, put it on our planner and our calendar that this is coming. Uh, and it's not that it isn't already here now, that it's not happening today. Uh, those of you who follow Voice of the Martyrs and other organizations that track persecution in the world, you realize that believers in Jesus Christ are, are suffering all over the world. And this is just a part of what it is to be a believer in our world today. And I want to share and talk with you about this because of what's happening in our world. Uh, this last couple of years, we've seen the rise of uh, Muslim extremist group ISIS, and we realize that their attacks and other groups like them have happened really around the world, uh, even so close as San Bernardino uh, and other smaller things uh, even closer yet. And I realize that uh, that becomes a political uh, thing that is thrown around. We're in an uh, election year or years, and as we, uh, we come uh, to this, it's still like, amazing thing isn't it the political process and how the candidates talk and uh, I, I know that to some degree uh, it's interesting to watch it's interesting to hear it's interesting to follow uh, unfortunately uh, in the end one of those people will be our president uh, and so it's interesting to watch but it's should be nerve-wracking as well to consider uh, and, and really, uh, you may find in the, the candidates a best candidate. And would you want that job? Would you want that job? Would you feel confident if that were you to take on the problems of the United States at this time in this uh, world that we live in? Obviously a difficult place. And so this morning I wanted to talk to you about um, persecution. And it's not just about... Uh, what, what's going on in our, our world in terms of terrorist attacks and groups that want to destroy America. But I, I want to talk to you in terms of how we respond to that, what we think about it. We realize that what we think is going to determine how we behave. I know uh, one of the political hot buttons has been uh, the right to bear arms. And uh, what, what will go on with that? And there's some incredible things that are happening even right now uh, in terms of that uh, coming, squeezing down into the idea of the right to protect ourselves at home through uh, weapons like guns. Um, we realize also that uh, just the idea of the thoughts that we can express and the ideas that Christians can hold that come from the scripture, that too makes uh, God's people are comfortable as we look to the future, that we're, uh, our, our freedoms that we've enjoyed for so long here in this country are being slowly taken away, and we say, uh, it's not right, it's not right. Well, I want to talk to you about persecution this morning, persecution, and specifically, um, I hope this makes you nervous, I have 10 points this morning. Um, I want to also, just by, by way of intro, tell you that this world is not getting better. Does that shock anybody? Uh, there's a, a, 
body of theology that some people study and hold to of dominion theology that has this idea that the world's going to get better. That as we even follow God's word, that there's going to be some kind of enlightenment and everyone's going to come together. As we take charge of this world, uh, it's all going to, you know, it's going to all turn around. Um, Not too many people hold to this, by the way, for obvious reasons. Uh, The world is not getting better. It is not going to be a a thing that things are going to turn around. And as believers, as believers, we need to be ready. Uh, if uh, you're in your 80s or 90s here today, um, you, you may say, well, what do I care about this? And I know the people who are in their 80s and 90s here that you, already, you, you do care about this because you care for your kids. You care for your grandkids and some of you for your great-grandkids. And this is where your heart is. And I share this message this morning that my concern is that we are unprepared we are unprepared, that our kids and grandkids, and maybe ourselves, that we will be shocked by persecution, and it will send us off the rails to abandon the faith. And so this is my concern this morning, uh, that we may not be ready. I have 10 points this morning, and forgive me for jumping around the scriptures again. Um, Just what I'm doing. Um, That was genuine, but disgenuine. I can't have that word. Um, Turn over your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Daniel over there, uh, he shared this passage when he preached a a few weeks ago. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Second Timothy chapter 3, it tells us something that should start us out in this idea of persecution. It's important for us to remember. In verse 12, it says this, in this First Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and be deceived. Uh, First point I have for you this morning is that persecution for the believer should be expected. Should be expected. You, You should not be shocked. You should expect it. As you seek to live a godly life, as you go about doing what God wants you to do, you should expect resistance and persecution. God's word tells us that. And I find it interesting that it's in 2 Timothy. Paul's uh, last letter to Timothy. He's in the latter points of his life. And as he's older. And some of you. This is part of what it is to help that next generation. If you're older. What you do is you try to set up the next generation. That's what Paul was doing to Timothy. And he says. Oh before I go. One last thing. I need to give you, I need to give you some things. And one of the things he gave him is this. Timothy, as you go to serve the Lord in your time, in your place, in your city, guess what? If you desire to follow God and you do, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. Good Americans, you say, but that's not fair. 
I, the Constitution says I'm protected. Um, guess what? Guess what? The Constitution is not the Word of God. Guess what? Constitutions come and go. Well, ours has been around for a while, but guess what? The Word of God tells us that persecution will happen, will happen for those who desire to live a godly life. If you don't desire to live a godly life, maybe you can escape, escape persecution. Maybe you won't have to go through that. We'll get to that in a bit too. My second point is just a, a general teaching um, in Scripture, but if you consider God's people in the Old Testament, uh, what happened for, for them. If you consider the prophets in the Old Testament as they went and they did God's work. I think through Jesus and His ministry as He came to this earth and how He was received, how His followers were received. I think of Stephen in the book of Acts. Uh, worst preaching ever, Stephen, right? Maybe best preaching ever. He was clear. He didn't back down. He was truthful. He shared the truth, both of the gospel and, and of what was going on. And guess what? They killed him. They killed him. You follow that story in the book of Acts. Uh, Saul's involved in that. And as you move from that chapter to the next, the fifth chapter, guess what? It says there was a great persecution that broke out there. And, and the church was scattered. And it says that, that Paul, I mean Saul, goes house to house looking to destroy the church. That's persecution. And we see that, as I mentioned earlier, we see that now today. Uh, we see it in our world today. We've heard of it for generations that believers, simply for being a believer in Jesus Christ, have been targeted both for physical pain, uh, for some types of discrimination and financial losses, but also the loss of life. And so it's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's something that goes on throughout every generation and will continue and I'll just say it this way, persecution, this is my second point, persecution is for today and the future. It's for today and the future. And so as you think about it, uh, for those of you who have children and grandchildren, that's what you're preparing them for. Uh, that's, what, that's what you are, this is the world and the, the future that you send them out to. I, I, I think about this and... Um, a lot, obviously, because I have my own kids. But <clears throat> I was thinking, we have a house guest with us. Some of you have met him, Sam. He's from Singapore. And uh, in Singapore, you have to spend two years in the military. Everyone has to serve their time. Uh, and I was thinking about that, what, what that would do for our country. And what seriousness. I know that many of you have spent time in the military and there's a seriousness to you that there's not to my life about security in our country. And, and there's a preparation that you have that I don't have because I, I didn't do that. And I, and I want us to think in terms of this. I, it's not about military being good or bad. It's just a thing. But for us as parents to prepare our children for war. Prepare them to be persecuted. I, I think that uh, most of the time we, uh, 
prepare our kids to be rich. We prepare our kids to be the smartest. We train our kids for the path of least resistance. If something bad goes over here, switch directions and go over here. Which leads me to my third point. Word persecution in the New Testament um, is, there's a few different ones, but one of the more common ones uh, is defined like this. Persecution means to put to flight or to drive away. To put to flight or to drive away. What is the purpose of persecution in the life of the believer? Not from God, but from our enemy. What is the purpose? And I'll say it like this, my third point this morning. Persecution is our enemy's way of training us. Persecution is our enemy's way of training us. Uh, if you have dogs, how do you train a dog? Well, some of you have a lot more patience. Others, you, uh, others of you have uh, collars, zapper collars that you put on them, right? Some of you want these for your husbands, right? Uh, and you just have the control and they do something you don't like and you zap them. You zap them. It's a way of training. It's a way of training. And in so many areas of our lives, you, you get a picture of this, right? Uh, speeding. If you're out here speeding and Officer Lenny catches you and, you, you know, he hands you a, a nice card, a note, uh, and you get a ticket, there's a penalty to pay. There's a penalty to pay. And there's actually penalties that kind of go on through your insurance and stuff like that for, I think, eight years, six or eight years. Good times. Um, you, you, that pain is meant to train you. That pain is meant to train you. I want to tell you that persecution is our enemy's way of training us. And what the enemy is saying to us, he's saying this. Uh, you have your right answers. You're, you're a follower of Christ. I'm going to bring pain into your life and see if you will still follow Christ. It's the book of Job. It's the book of Job. Have you read the book of Job? There's accusations that the enemy makes about Job. And he says, if I bring pain to his life, he, he will deny you. He will walk away. And persecution has a, has a purpose, but it's not God's purpose. We'll get to that. But the purpose is, the enemy says, I want to train you not to walk with Jesus. I want to drive you away from the gospel. Persecution is not just some random act of pain that comes into our life. Persecution is the enemy's way of training us. My question in the middle of my message here is, will you be trained by the enemy? Will you buckle? Will you respond and say, oh yeah, it is too difficult to follow after Christ? When you know the Word of God says something and you say, well, I'm not going to do that because it's just too painful. I don't want to do that. Will the enemy put you to flight and drive you away through the pain 
that he brings into your life. Persecution, that's the purpose. This last year, uh, and, and we live in a weird world, right? It's, it's, it's a unique time. We're an enemy with really not a whole lot of technology can put a video up on the internet of horrific acts of killing of believers and, and use that as propaganda. Propaganda. And what is that propaganda for? To train us. To train us to think a certain way. Don't follow after Jesus. Don't cling to the gospel. It's propaganda. It's for your training and for your education. Will you be trained by it? As we consider this this morning, I just want to share with you, encourage you with this. 1 Peter chapter 1. You might want to turn there. My fourth point. I switched these around because I felt like we were too heavy. I wanted to give you some encouragement. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 6. And this, this idea is found in the latter part, uh, chapter 5, I believe, in First Peter as well. Uh, Peter writes this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this, point four. Persecution is temporary. It's temporary. In fact, so temporary, the various trials of this life, is that Peter refers to him twice as a little while. A little while. Um, when your kids go to church and they uh, get to sit through the sermon, what do you tell them? Shh, shh, be quiet. And then, you know, you start feeding them stuff. You know, in, in my day, they had those little butterscotch candies. You know, after a while, you're, you know, your tongue is raw from all the candy and you're like, come on, how do you... And, and, and your mom or dad leans over to you and says, it's just going to be a little while longer. While you're in it, it seems like eternity, right? But it's just a little while. Just a little while. And I want to tell you that any persecution that we would face, even if it's for a lifetime, is just a little while. Just a little bit. And, and for those of you who are older, be thankful be thankful because your little while is a lot littler than others possibly their little would be okay it's just a little while persecution is temporary it's just a temporary state if there's pain in your life you say i can't bear it yes you can why because it's temporary if it would go on forever i don't think we could handle it but by God's design, any bad thing that could happen to us and persecution where the enemy targets us to get us to move is just a little while. It's temporary. Number five, number five. 
Persecution comes from the enemy through circumstances and willing participants. Willing participants. As you think through the New Testament, different times and different places, persecution came from all different kinds of people. You, you, the, the circumstances are meant to uh, cause us to quit. They're co- meant to cause us to, to lay down. You know, there's those who are enemies of Jesus. And they basically say, I hate Christ, so I'll hate you. They're, they're outward. They're, they're obvious. You, you could clump in there uh, this ISIS group where they have identified Christians and they say, we are killing you because you're a Christian. They make it real simple. I want to tell you that that's not them. That's not them. You know what it is? It's the enemy finding a willing participant to do his bidding. There are others that are... Um, seem more neutral they're, they're, they're more neutral or they're passive enemies of Jesus and it's because of their uh, they don't know the gospel they make decisions that would inadvertently persecute and bring down believers uh, this is the much of what goes on in the United States <coughs> for many people their desire for a secular state and to wipe out all religion. It's not nothing personal to Jesus in their minds. But the enemy finds a willing participant in them. This is where it gets a little dicey where I'm going to say this. It also comes through fleshly believers. Fleshly believers. And what I mean by fleshly believers is someone who is saved by the gospel. But at that moment in time... They choose to walk in the flesh as opposed to walk by the Spirit. Our enemy finds a willing participant, a willing participant, a vessel to be used. Um, I, I don't like saying this. I don't like saying this, but I've been used in that way. I've been used. I've said something that's targeted someone who's walking with the Lord, that's discouraged them, that's put them on the spot. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And I thought that I was justified. But the enemy found a willing participant in me. You remember, uh, we went through it in the book of Matthew, where Jesus was talking about him going to his own crucifixion, that he was going to go to die. And do you remember uh, Peter's response? No, it's not going to happen. Don't say it. And you know Jesus' response. Get behind me, Satan. You get it? That you too can be an instrument of persecution for the, in the life of a believer. Persecution comes uh, from the enemy through circumstances and willing participants. We have known enemies of Jesus. We have passive enemies of Jesus. We have fleshly believers. Okay? I want to tell you uh, that Every person, every person has a soul. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. And so for us to see the person as just the end all and not to see that the enemy is prompting them behind them uh, is short-sighted. It only sees part of the picture. Persecution comes from our enemy through circumstances and willing participants. Number six. Number six. 
And this really doesn't fit, but it's important to talk about today. In 1 Peter, once again, verse four, chapter 4, uh, in verses 15 and 16. Um, this is something to keep in mind all the time. As, as we're thinking about persecution, as we're thinking about the difficulty in our lives, to be careful, to be careful to not clump it all in as one thing. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we see, um, and really it's a passage, 1 Peter has a lot on suffering, but Peter makes this important distinction. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Did you get it? Uh, that's not persecution. If you're a thief, a murderer, mur- mur- I'll murderize him. Uh, uh, a murderer or a meddler, we look at that and we say, if there's pain in their life, why is it there? It's there because they deserve it. They, they've earned it. Persecution is not persecution when we deserve it, okay? We, we, sometimes we get in this uh, complaining mode of, my life, why is my life so difficult? Because we made a bunch of choices that have messed up our lives. And for us to quit making those decisions, follow Christ, follow Christ, honor Him, humbly walk with Him, this is what, it, that, that's not persecution. When pain enters our life because we deserved it, we deserve it. And it's God's way of training us and saying, stop making those decisions. Come close to me. Be careful you don't consider that persecution. Number seven. In John chapter 15, verse 18, it says this, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. I want to tell you this. Persecution is not personal. It's not personal. Sometimes we think, oh, man, they picked us out of a crowd. They hate Kevin Bosler. Don't think so highly of yourself, right? It's not about you. If, there's, if you're targeted because of Jesus Christ, guess what? It's not about you. It's nothing personal about you. It's about Jesus in you. It's about your connection with him. There's four or five verses, passages in the scripture that bring about the same idea. The, the disciples lived it. The, uh, after Jesus, they connected what they were doing to Jesus, and that's why they were persecuted. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Number eight, Matthew chapter five, verse 44 says this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Persecution should cause us to pray for persecutors. Those ones that persecute us, it's not about that we would hate them, but it's that we would pray for them. Why? Made in the image and likeness of God. You know, we have a Father who's in heaven that loved his enemies, right? Right here. Loved his enemy. Not in a superficial, kind of little bit sort of way, but he sent his son to die. He gave his son so that his enemies would no longer be enemies. They would be friends. They would be family. 
And so this is our path, is that persecution should cause us to pray for persecutors. And in Acts chapter 5, um, ninth point here this morning, Acts chapter 5, verse 40. There's this interesting passage that speaks of persecution. Um, and they were preaching, they were preaching the gospel and they got put in prison, and then they got let out of prison, got out of there by God's own doing, and they went back to preaching, and then they got found out again, and they were brought in, and they were brought before rulers, and rulers were struggling. What do we do with these apostles? And in verse 40, it says this in chapter 5 of Acts, it says, And when they, they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Beating, and then don't speak, let them go. What would be your response? Verse 41, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That's what they did. They kept on. Okay, that's 9 and 10. Okay, 9 goes like this. Persecution is something to be thankful for. Something to be thankful for. To, to see, not that you like pain. It's not that you like pain. It's that you, you've gotten to connect with Jesus on that. You've had the opportunity to stand in his place. You, you've had the opportunity to take a hit in his name, in his name. And then, Number 10, number 10, from that same passage, persecution should not change our course or cause us to quit. It's worth it. It's worth it. So I got my friend Miguel in the front row here. I'm going to not try to embarrass him too much, but Miguel, what's the color of the ceiling? It's white. No, it's brown. It's brown, Miguel. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had that? Been in class? Teacher calls on you and says, what's number four? And you say, well, it's 15. And, Are you sure? And if you're like me, no. What's your idea? <laughs> I, I'm willing for input here, right? I've got my answer. I've got my answer. This is what I know it to be true. My question is, will the pressure of persecution cause us, cause us to change our answer, to abandon the truth, to abandon our Savior? I pray that it would not happen for us, that we would be prepared for that day, and that we would cling to the right answer of Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being with your people. God, give us courage and strength that comes from you to not quit, no matter what the cost, no matter what the pressure, that we would not allow the pressure to drive us away from Jesus. We thank you for the strength that comes from him, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.